This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the 67th Evening Standard Theatre Awards at Claridge's in London, this is the Standard Theatre Podcast. I'm Nick Curtis, Chief Theatre Critic. I'm Nancy Durrant, Culture Editor. And I'm Nick Clark, Deputy Culture Editor. On this very special episode, our brilliant arts correspondent Rob Dex will be bringing us highlights from the winners. I was surprised to be nominated, but everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're nominated for the Evening Standard Awards. And then I saw the people in the category and they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Look at the people who are nominated alongside with you. So I was like, wow. And exclusive chats with the big name hosts and awards presenters from the night, such as... Jake Shears. It's like a rabbit's warren. A series of tunnels and caves (laughs) full of incredible people. I mean, it's just exponential the amount of people it takes to put on a show. And our voice of God for this year's awards, Bridgerton Company and fellow Travellers star, Jonathan Bailey. My very first memory of theatre was playing Raindrop in Noah's Ark. And it didn't rain that day. And they come, (laughs) they cut my magical dance routine that had little bits of blue hanging from my uh, wrists. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Standard Theatre Podcast. If you are yet to follow us, what are you doing? Hit follow and you'll be alerted every week when a new episode lands. For this very special bonus episode, we're coming to you from the 67th Evening Standard Theatre Awards. Hosted by Lord Lebedev and Ian McKellen, these awards showcase the best productions and performances that have played in the capital over the past 12 months. All our coverage from this year's awards can be found online at standard.co.uk. Now, every year, a big name in theatre gets the important role of the voice of God. They play a big part on the night, telling a crowd of Laurent Perrier-fuelled nominees and guests where to be and when. But more importantly, they read out all the nominations. This year, it's star of stage and screen, Jonathan Bailey. To do the voiceover for the Evening Standard Theatre Awards, to be the voice of God, um, is overwhelming, the amount of power that you have in the room. And also to follow in the footsteps of Sarah McKellen and incredible... Helen McCrory is an, is an absolute honour, um, so I'm chuffed. 
and to be working alongside Susan Wacoma, who I've known for years, is really exciting. I think the Evening Standard Theatre Awards uh, is an impossibly glamorous evening um, supporting theatre, uh, which, as we know over the last decade, is so important and vital at the moment. It's been an incredible year. And even going through the nominations and, and reading them and recording them, I've realised how many incredible performances I've seen and how much sort of incredible creativity has been witnessed. I performed at the Evening Standard Theatre Awards um, with uh, two others from the uh, production of Company. And uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it was terrifying. There's, if there's one place um, and for one evening a year where you know there's going to be the most, uh, well, most generous crowd, but also of the people that you'd most want to, uh, to impress, it's uh, the Evening Standard Theatre Awards. But it was, it was amazing. And there's always incredible performances and support and it's electric. So yeah, it was definitely, definitely a highlight for me, for sure. And that year, Company won and, uh, and so did Rosalie Craig, who played Bobby in, in Company. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it's just amazing. And to, to experience um, the support, we were quite early on in our run. So, you know, we can really feel that how the Evening Standard Awards can really launch and, and elevate productions. Um, and yeah, we, it was incredibly exciting and, uh, and it really helped us with our run, I think. Finally, what's your first memory of theatre? My first memory, well, my very first memory of theatre was playing Raindrop in Noah's Ark. And they, and it didn't rain that day. And they come, <laughs> they cut my magical dance routine. I had little bits of blue hanging from my uh, wrists. Um, but my first professional production that I w- witnessed was uh, seeing Jonathan Price in Oliver at the Palladium. And it was just an instant chemical reaction. And I turned to my family and I said, that's what I want to do. And how do you do that? Throughout the night, Rob Dix has been speaking to some of the winners backstage. First up, the award for Best Actor. This year, he wowed everybody by playing an entire ensemble, all by himself, uh, in Simon Stevens' reworking of Uncle Vanya uh, as one piece for an actor. Um, The Evening Standard Award for Best Actor goes to Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott couldn't make the awards due to filming commitments in Hollywood. Here's Jenna Coleman reading his acceptance speech. I'm really gutted that I can't be here this evening. I will never forget the experience of creating this show with these magical people. I would like to thank Simon Stevens for his generosity and his hilarious and devastating adaptation. Rosanna Weiss for her extraordinary wisdom and her impeccable eye for design. In truth, I missed the company atmosphere, so I would really like to thank the stage management and crew for being so fun and patient with a saddo, lonely actor. Uh, this was a big risk for our producers, and I would like to thank Emily Vaughan Barrett, uh, Benjamin Lowry, and all my friends at Wessex Grove for being so supportive and collaborative and inventive. Uh, Playing these extraordinary parts was exhilarating and moving and exhausting, and there is no doubt in my mind I couldn't have done it without the support and friendship and sheer kindness of our director, Sam Yates. He came to the show every night, and he was just a constant source of good energy, reassurance, and care. Lastly, I'd like to thank the audience who came to see the show. I'm so grateful that I get to do what I do, and this experience has provided me with memories that I will cherish for the rest of my life. So thank you, Evening Standard, for this wonderful honour. I am truly thrilled. Have a great celebration. Long live London Theatre and Theatre Everywhere. 
So Andrew Scott, a uh, very deserving winner there. Second time he's won. He won for Present Laughter back in 2019, playing Gary well. S and I, and that was fantastic. And this Vanya was, I think, you know, all of us went into it with a slight hesitation, mm. but... Um, you say all of us. Sadly, it was so popular, one of us couldn't get to see it. <laughs> but, and I'm now even more gutted. Uh, you know, he was clearly yes. uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was a bit of a tour de force, actually. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think I said at the time, though, I never forgot that I was watching a very a very important performance, mm-hmm. but it is. I mean, yeah. you know, he's just won an award for it. Yeah. it. It is. It feels really kind of, you know, I could like I said at the time, I think I could watch Andrew Scott Potter around a kitchen in a silk shirt for days. <laughs> Absolute acting uh, masterclass. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. that's the thing. I've seen him do a monologue before. We have, you know, we, yeah, uh, we gave Jodie Comer Best Actress last year for for the one-woman show, Prima Facie, where she was just mm. playing one character. I think what was, what was different about this one was that he's playing eight different characters and they are all... Absolutely pin sharp. So distinct. So good. Yeah. 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 I think his his particular brand of charisma, I think, has a warmth to it that makes this a kind of ride that you go on with him. Yeah. And and it's also it's what made his Moriarty such a deeply complex emotional experience to watch. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. He's brilliant. Such a worthy winner. He's about to be playing Tom Ripley as well. So, you know, he's so so confused. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Terrific. No, great win. There was proper joy in the room tonight for the Natasha Richardson Award for Best Actress, and this year it was particularly special. And to tell us the winner, an actor who just can't leave Shakespeare or screwdrivers alone, it is David Tennant. It was one of theatre's big stories uh, in the, the past year when one fearless actress stepped into her role with a week's notice. Not only was she brilliant, but she and her co-star created an extraordinary chemistry together. And the truly mesmerising core of this production turned out to be their complex, tender, vivid relationship. It's rare that two performances in the same play get shortlisted in the same category in these awards. Rare still for them both to be winners. For their roles as Blanche and Stella in A Streetcar Named Desire, the Natasha Richardson Award for Best Actress goes to Patsy Ferrand and Angela Vassan. This has honestly been the best outcome. It's made me so happy because um, I, I, quick, I, this has been, that was one of those rewarding professional experiences of my life. And it's just thanks to um, the people that I was surrounded by because... It should have been stressful and horrific to learn a a whole part in four days. And yet somehow it was the most liberating and joyous experience of my life. And that's a lot of it's thanks to this woman right here. (laughs) Angie's like talent and humor just saved me. And then Dwayne over there, you're like the best Mitch that's ever existed. And, and then just, just an incredible company and I just feel very grateful and I just feel really happy and proud to share this moment with you. When you both knew you were nominated, mm-hmm. did you sort of agree like a, a non-aggression pact that if you won, the other one would be all right? Um, truthfully, did, uh, no. I sort of just assumed it would be Patsy. Um, uh, I was very excited about being nominated with her because I think we both agreed that the sister relationship was very important for us to convey in the play so I kind of just thought the nomination was a win and didn't really think of anything after that. <laughs> so when they said your name what was your reaction? <laughs> I was just like laughing hysterically and shocked but then got very emotional that it was both of us because that just felt so nice to be 
to win with your friend uh, and with uh, an actor that you really think deserved the award. Like, it just felt very special and very rare. And I, I know these things don't really happen very often. So I was just kind of taken aback. <laughs> So that was a turnout for the books too. Yeah, oh, I can't. So cool. I can't tell you how. Uh, for the judging panel, we were sat around the room. I think all of us felt this was Patsy Ferrand's to lose because that was such a great story. Her coming into Streetcar No Desire to play Blanche Dubois after Lydia Wilson had to withdraw through injury, learned the part in a week, absolutely smashed it out of the park. And so I think you know we all sat there thinking it's got to be Patsy Ferrand. But the, then two or three people started saying, "But Angela Varson is such a tremendous actor. She's been yeah. nominated before and didn't win. She sort of." of unsung she's sort of you know she's always brilliant in everything she does and uh, we just sort of said let's give it to them jointly yeah because she matched her yeah absolutely she sort of exactly. and brought if Patsy brought something new to Blanche which she absolutely did I've never Completely. seen that character played in that way and it totally so opened it up for me yeah but then Angela did exactly the same with Stella who's always been a bit of a side character a bit of sort of garnish to the grand dame playing Blanche yeah, yeah. Dubois yeah. but here as you say absolutely matched it she was so compelling and you know, gave the character inner life, yeah. which often yeah. the character doesn't get. I know, and she doesn't normally stand up against Blanche in that mm. way, but she did it. It was subtle, yeah. but it worked so well. And, and I think Tennessee Williams said this was a play about a pair of sisters, and this is the first time I have ever felt that to be true. And yeah. it was fascinating, because when this production was first announced, the buzz around it was the fact that Paul Mescal was going to be playing mm. yeah. Stanley Kowalski. Yeah. But by the end of press night, you absolutely knew it was about those two women. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you get the feeling, I mean, both Patsy and Angina are sort of theatre's best-kept secrets. Now, they have done screen work, but yeah. TV and film uh, you know, hasn't embraced them in the way the theatre has. And garlanded, yeah. certainly Patsy, with loads of awards. And clearly they need to be garlanded with yeah. many, many more because yeah. uh, they are absolutely wonderful stage presences. And because there was such a focus on, on Patsy's extraordinary feat in learning it and mm. doing a, you know, turning out a fully-fledged performance, it was also hard for the cast who had rehearsed you know, right mm. up to the moment of previews yeah. with another, another actor and suddenly you know, had to recalibrate everything. Yeah. And I think you know, kudos to Mescal as well. for yeah. you know, He was so hot when that opened, just had the Oscar nomination. He served that play perfectly, but the, it was the two women who really hit home in that, I think. So I'm delighted that they both got it. Absolutely. Let's go to a quick break. My glass appears to be empty and Nick definitely needs a sit down. Coming up, <laughs> coming up in part two, we'll be talking to Jake Shears, who introduced the Unsung Heroes Award. And more winner highlights. Hit follow and we'll magically appear right after the adverts. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, this is Bernadette Peters, and you're listening to The Standard Theatre Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I think one of the loveliest things about the Evening Standard Theatre Awards is the celebration of theatre's unsung heroes, now in association with the Standard Theatre Podcast. Mm. And we are, I'm not going to lie, chuffed to bits about that. Well yes. chuffed, yay. Let's celebrate theatre's unsung heroes, the ones who really keep the show going. In the past, the Evening Standard has paid tribute to stage doorkeepers and to dressers. And this year's Unsung Heroes tribute is supported by the brilliant Evening Standard Theatre podcast, which I suggest you should subscribe to the minute you get home. I'm in, I'm in the last episode, actually. It's really, really good. Anyway, but now, now, to tell us more about the Unsung Heroes of 2023, please welcome back Cabaret's current MC, The Dazzling, Jake Shears. Thank you. The group we're recognizing this year is often unsung and unseen. Their work requires much more training and technical skill than most actors receive. They exist on short-term contracts and one-off gigs. They're quite often shoved into dark, dusty spaces, sometimes literally under the stage. This year, more than ever, they have played an essential part of the action collectively even adding up to another character in some of the productions. Without them, the West End's most popular shows just wouldn't exist. And theater would be a more drab, two-dimensional place and a whole lot less tuneful. Who are we recognizing this year? Well, are there any musicians in the house? Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, of course. Um, this award is a celebration of the people who make it happen, who facilitate the magic, if you like. So can you talk a bit to me about like, the army of people who you never see in, in, in the theatre? I mean, it, it's like a rabbit's warren. It's like a, a series of tunnels and caves <laughs> full of incredible people that, uh, I mean, it's just exponential the amount of people it takes to put on a show. And, you know, as someone who also writes musicals as well as acts in them, I feel like it's, it's, it's an art form. It's like the most archaic art form <laughs> on the planet that will never, there's no shortcuts with it. Right. And it just takes so many people. And very what people see on stage is just small tip of a very large iceberg and tell me so this time we are we we celebrate a different set of unsung heroes every year with the theater awards and this year we're celebrating the musicians so tell me about how about the sort of integral role that they play on your show particularly oh my goodness i mean it's uh, god there's there's moments when i'm when i'm doing cabaret and just i get to stand next to the band I, on one side of the balcony because it's in there's sort of two separate. I don't know if you'd call them pits because they're up in the balcony. Yeah. God, it's just exquisite to just be up there like next to the horns for Don't Tell Mama. It's funny because the musicians, when you're doing a musical, it's very 
separate in certain ways from the cast. It's almost like we sort of hide from each other in certain ways. The sound of of Cabaret is so specific and, and so much of it sounds to me, I, I've, I live in New Orleans part-time and, there, and there's such a New Orleanian sound to this show. Okay. And uh, with the horns and the, the clarinets and there's just so much. I mean, I, I think with this show, everyone's sort of in the room together. And I think that's kind of uh, what I was talking about earlier, just having that magical feeling of sort of being around the band and some of the audience is sitting like right next to the band, right? Because if you're up in one of the balconies, Mm. you're right next to them. Uh, So it's, they're, they're, it's a character in the show, you know, they're really, um, I think if they were off in a pit somewhere, I don't think it would be the same. No, I think that's a really special thing about this show actually, is that you can see them uh, all the time. And I, I hadn't, thought about it until I came to see it actually that that's really rare yeah it's it is so nice it is and also I mean usually it's just people I've got to I remember when we were doing Kinky Boots they would have you know the drummer would be like down a hallway and <laughs> you know in their own room you know kind of away from even the strings and everything like a lot of times people are just sort of hiding from you know <laughs> yeah. hiding from the audience you, you sort of hide the musicians away and in this show uh, it, it is really important that they're that they're in the room and adds so much to the show. I think it's really important as well, isn't it, to have live music. I think I feel like recently there has been, you know, in some productions of certain shows, there's been like a reduction in the number of musicians and things like that, and it feels like there's a sort of risk that they might be a bit forgotten or not cared well, for. There, there, you have a shortcut. You know, I was yeah. just sort of saying this, this, this archaic, archaic form of of art it's like yeah when you start using sort of recorded tracks and start putting stuff on track i mean that's that's a shortcut and it makes it less special yeah and i think that one of the amazing things about real theater and real musicals is that there's no there's no sort of getting around that there shouldn't be any shortcuts and i i think that it's important to not be leaving musicians out. I mean, I know that there's been some shows recently that, you know, claim they needed to do that. And and there's one I can think of in New York. And I haven't seen the show, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and I just heard it's closing. So oh, sadly, uh, some may, you know, may, I don't know if that has anything to do with well, it. Well, maybe but it's because they cut the musicians and nobody wanted to see it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe that's why. Um, and just one more question. As a, as a writer of musicals, how do you work with other musicians when you're, when you're sort of creating? Uh, when I'm creating stuff for musicals I've got to work with other very patient 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 <laughs> musicians because I don't really I don't play anything I can kind of write on a piano and I can write on a guitar a little bit but I hear chord progressions I hear chord voicings and I just have to work with very 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 skilled <laughs> patient patient people that don't mind me uh, you know, having wild, excited outbursts <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, singing nonsense. And uh, my favorite thing to do is collaborate with people. Yeah. And I could never, ever write anything alone and yeah. would never want to. I was sitting around my house today trying to just, like, write some lyrics and trying to do a melody, and I just get so bored if I'm by myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, to me, it's, like, all about 
having fun with the people that you're working with yeah. and making a vocabulary and figuring out how to communicate with one another and, and have a great time doing it. It's like, that's the bottom line, I, I think. And that's what I really love to do. And when you, when you build something with someone else uh, that you're proud of, there's just nothing more satisfying. They facilitate the magic. Yes. That moment was a great bit of theatre, actually, because the London String Group had been hiding in plain sight at one of the tables throughout dinner before they whipped out their instruments <laughs> and stunned the audience with a spectacular surprise performance. What did they play again? It was like a musical theatre montage? Yeah, it was a montage of Waving Through a Window from Dear Evan Hansen, Simply the Best from Tina Turner, and Do Your Thing by Basement Jacks. And it all really worked, surprisingly. <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. There was a flute, a clarinet, a tenor sax, a trumpet, trombone and a guitar. How did they actually not give it away? I have no idea. No idea. I don't know where that trombone went. <laughs> <laughs> Perish the thought. Let's go to a quick break. Stay right there to hear more from the hottest ticket in town, the Evening Standard Theatre Awards. I'm Jenna Russell and you're listening to the Standard Theatre Podcast. Right, shall we get into some more highlights? Yeah, this is one of the really big ones, Best Play, and there was a hugely strong list of nominees this year, but there can only be one winner. The winner of this award has written brilliant things for film and TV, from hard-hitting to the deliriously entertaining, but he started out in theatre and he always returns. The quality of the work is frankly amazing, given that he's also astonishingly prolific. Here he took an idea from the director Sam Mendes and turned it into a profound me meditation on fame and a love letter to theatre. So, you've guessed it. The 2023 Evening Standard Best Play Award goes to Jack Thorne for The Motive and the Cue. I, I think that we have truly extraordinary people every so often in this country and I was lucky enough to write about two of them. A third, actually, who, well, who is actually from this country, but who has been embraced as an American. And to have the, the three of them to write about and to understand how the three of them functioned together and moved between each other together was just the greatest joy. And we, and we did it during lockdown. Sam, Sam suggested the idea to, us, to me when I was completely on my own and literally uh, jonesing for theatre. I write the Enola Holmes films, and Enola Holmes 2 is set largely in a theatre, with, with Susan McComer in it, uh, and is set largely in a theatre because I, I was, it has this whole sort of theatre experience, and I was just sort of explaining to the director over and over again, no, this is how this works, and this is how it would be, and this is what a fly tower is, and all the, all the different things that we love about theatre. And so to be writing about it, writing about the making of a show, it was absurd and wonderful. Um, how is it writing about actors for actors? Do they get a bit funny about it? They say, well, you surely you wouldn't have said this, or, or do they act? I tell you, the, the, the weird thing was writing about directors for a director, and not just any director, Sam Mendes. That, you know, and you're going, I'm writing, this is how John Gilgood directs this scene. And he's sitting there going, yes, maybe. You know, like, you know I, the whole process is one that Sam's viewed a thousand times through his own particular lens and I was writing about a different lens, the lens of Sir John Gilgood and it, it was, um, you know, I think that was the oddest experience. So I was chairing the judges, uh, which means I don't have a vote, but I do get to corral the chat and there was a big old chat over this one because the nominations were just 
stonking, I think. And there are two absolutely amazing works, particularly for me, of, of popular theatre about popular events on this list, both of which the judges agreed. I know, um, Nick, you would remember this, that would bring new audiences into the theatre. But this mm. one kind of rose to the top in quite a hefty discussion, actually. It's mm. a really... It's just a really bloody good play. Yes. Yeah, and it's a it's a love letter to theatre. Yeah, you know? it's about it's about John Gielgud directing Richard Burton in Hamlet on uh, Broadway. It's it's supposed to be uh, the the production was meant to mirror a first rehearsal. So it's about the process and the craft of theatre and about how stardom works and how you know stars rise and fall. I just think it's a, you know it, it's it's grown on me since I saw it actually mm. and I'm looking forward to seeing it again when it transfers mm. to the yeah. West End in there a week was, or so. There was something about it because it wasn't just a bundle of impressions which it no. could have been. Yeah. Um, it sort of dealt with I mean it was a clash of class, a clash of old thoughts versus new ones mm. in the theatre. It was about creativity and how sometimes it's really hard to make things and how sometimes you rub up against each other and in ways that possibly a lot of people who go to the theatre couldn't really comprehend. So I th- but I thought it really did it. Clearly, I think the creative team, Sam Mendes has talked about it, you know, uh, have experienced this in the rehearsal room. And it's a lovely sort of lifting back of that, that curtain. It's also about fathers and sons. Yeah. And... and you get yeah highlights of Hamlet, which I also like. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and and also what I really wanted to say about it, because I, I really love this, but it left me, and I'm not going to spoil this because it is transferring, so people can still go and see this. But it left me with one of the most indelible final images of the year from theatre. Mm. It was an absolutely stunning final image, and it's stayed in my head throughout the year. So, but it's not just that. I mean, it's everything about and the writing by Jack Thorne. Absolutely stellar for yeah. me, I thought. Um, so, yeah, all, all in all, a very worthy winner, I think. Absolutely. Finally, we have Best Musical, another super strong category. But clearly, this was the show to beat. Chosen by the Evening Standards panel of theatre critics are trusted judges and champions of this award. And to tell us the winner, please welcome a glorious actress with the voice of an angel. It's Sheila Tim! Hello, everyone. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. <laughs> As the director Rob Marshall once said, there's something very moving about the idea that characters are so overwhelmed with emotion that they have to stop speaking and start to sing. This year's winning show put the audience right in the middle of that feeling. The 2023 Evening Standard Award for Best Musical goes to... Nicholas Heitner's sensational revival of Guys and Dolls. This is incredibly kind of you, but um, you know, I gotta say, Guys and Dolls has been best musical since 1950, so <laughs> maybe, maybe enough already. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's altogether fair that um, a new musical should be put in the same category as a show which is a lot of people's definition of the best musical ever written. So I would like to congratulate everybody behind, Tammy Faye and A Strange Loop, and um, Standing at the Sky's Edge. Um, Nothing, nothing is harder than producing a new musical. I know this sometimes to my cost, so kudos to you guys. Um, It's one of the small ironies of our business that the reward for good work is to be invited to a lovely occasion like this and to be told that you're a loser. Um, So uh, uh, it's gratifying. 
it's gratifying that the Bridge Theatre has escaped that fate, um, and that would be down not just to Frank Lesser and A Burroughs, but to the superb cast of Guys and Dolls, Andrew Richardson and Marisha Wallace and Celinda Schoenmacher and Danny Mays are here uh, tonight. Um, to the... Ama to the uh, amazing creative team, to all my colleagues at the bridge, including the people who wrangle the audience, uh, to them, uh, the audience included, thank you for making it all such fun. Thanks a lot. Thank so let's keep the party so alive. Let's keep the party it was obviously uh, a late entry to this category, Sunset Boulevard, which deservingly won its own awards, but I think Best Musical was, it was Guys and Dolls to lose that, really, because it was such a piece of total theatre that had everything in it. You know, the, the sets were incredible, the immersive quality was incredible, the stage management team there were wonderful. You had established musical and comic talents, Marisha Wallace, Danny Mays, mm. Celinda Schoenmacher, uh, but you also had this extraordinary debut from Andrew Richardson, who, you know, had not acted on a professional stage before. I know, which I still cannot believe. <laughs> And just Sorry, arrived with this fully-fledged, suave, you know, debonair <laughs> leading the man. Going, there must be more. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the second page. They've the left his biography page. off, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously designed to shore up the bridge's finances, I think, after after COVID. And it's doing that well. You know, I, I've sent loads of people to see this, and they've all loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, putting the audience right in the middle of 30s Broadway is uh, this magical version mm. of Broadway. is mm. is so wonderful. I mean, and, you know, Nick Heitner directing it has done an absolutely stellar job here but I just think also what lifts it above Sunset Boulevard is the, is the musical itself it is just one of the best musicals of all time whereas I'm not sure you'd ever say that about Sunset Boulevard yeah. as good a production of it was yeah. Yeah. but this you can see with Guys and Old amazing production amazing musical and you can see it can run and run but yes. it's also you know I think it can be so difficult to breathe fresh life into a classic but yeah. it, this is just genuinely knockout I haven't yeah. seen something like this with a with a classic piece of work ever really I think it was a, a genuine joy I took someone to see it and she was just absolutely ecstatic all the way through it was wonderful likewise I took a friend who is sort of their one theatre visit a year and they came out going I can't believe what I've just seen. Yeah. And take me again, please. Yeah. <laughs> One of the nice things about this year's awards is quite often, you know, it comes at the end of the year and most, most productions are finished, but you can go and see Guys and Dolls. You can go and see The Motive in the Queue. You yeah. can go and see a couple of the other yeah. shortlisted things as well, including Dear England, you know, which was, we can say, the runner-up, I think, uh, yeah. to, to best play. So that, that's, you know, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's been a great year. Yeah. We must mention another show that absolutely blew us away this year, Sunset Boulevard. The director, Jamie Lloyd, not only won Best Director for this show, but also its star, Nicole Scherzinger, also picked up an award for Best Musical Performance for her part in the show. And this is the moment that she won. The Evening Standard Award for Best Musical Theatre Performance for her Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard goes to Nicole Scherzinger! Oh my gosh, um, I'm low-key crapping myself right now. <laughs> I feel like it's, um, it's a lot, so it's, it's really a lot, I'm really grateful. Um, thank you so much, Evening Standard, for the award. I'm not gonna cry, where do, I, where do I start? Yeah, thank you for this award, thank you so much to the, to the London theatre community. Um, it's an honor to be a part of your community. Thank you for embracing me and accepting me as one of your own. Uh, I want to thank Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, for this masterpiece and for believing in me all of these years. 
Um, I want to thank Tom Francis and the rest of the beautiful cast and crew and all of the creators behind Sunset Boulevard. And last but not least, I'd like to thank Jamie Lloyd. Um, Jamie, thank you for dreaming and for dreaming me into this role and for seeing what no one else saw. Um, thank you for completely taking me out of all of my comfort zones, <laughs> truly. And thank you for championing me to be brave and not only be brave, but to be braver through your bold, fearless reimagining of this production, you have given us new ways to dream. Um, that this is a role of a lifetime, and like Norma Desmond says, I feel like I am back where I was born to be. So thank you so much. To God be the glory, always. And it's, it's, I'm just so humbled. Thank you so much. And Rob Dex spoke to her backstage. I was surprised to be nominated. Um, I'm obviously not from here, but everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're nominated for the Evening Standard Awards. And then I saw the, the people in the category, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Look at the people who are nominated alongside with you. So I was like, wow, um, it just, it's, it, it's humbling, but, and it's overwhelming, but it's, it's truly gratifying to know that all of, like, your, all of your work hasn't gone unseen or appreciated, so. Cause how is it? Because it is hard work. I mean, it is show after show after show after show. How are you keeping up with it? It's intense. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, I do seven shows a week. So much respect to everyone in the theatre community who do seven, eight shows a week nonstop. And to make each show as if it's the first and the last, <laughs> it's the, it's grueling and it's, it's brutal. So, um, but at the same time, it's the most rewarding um, to be able to, to create that magical moment um, one time only every night. Um, I, I saw you at press night and you seemed very emotional at press night, which I can imagine it could be an emotional thing. You sort of got over that hump and the show is out there and, it, and it's in, in the wild. Is it still emotional night after night to be up there on stage in it's that stark performance? And it's extremely emotional. You saw the show, yeah. so you can't half-ass that performance. You have to commit and be in tuned um, 100%, 110% every time. So um, I literally have to throw myself into it every single night and every matinee. So um, by the grace of God, he's given me the strength and the passion and, and the drive to just try to give the best performance, every performance. You never know who's out there. Every single person counts, it doesn't matter anyway. So it's, yeah, and, and, and it's four months. So I'm just making that four months count. Yeah. If it had been another role, would it have been as intense? Or was there something about this role that was the right role for the right person at the right time? Um, you're exactly right. It is all about the role. Um, the right role for the right person that Jamie Lloyd saw at the exact right time in my life. Everything I now realize looking back, everything that's happened in my life and all the pain and all the struggle and all the confusion and all the emptiness and all the loneliness and all the fight was for a reason, and I use most of all of that um, in this show. So uh, the stars have aligned, and yes, like I said out there in my speech, this is a role of a lifetime, 
And like Norma Desmond says, I feel like I'm back where I was born to be. Thanks for listening to our very special edition of the Standard Theatre Podcast, recorded at the 67th Evening Standard Theatre Awards. Please do hit follow, leave a comment, tell your friends, and feel free to drop us a line at theatrepod at standard.co.uk. We read all your emails and we love hearing from you. A massive thank you to our ES Live team who have really put on an incredible show tonight. Uh, and it's been in planning for absolute months. Absolutely, ages. And also a big thanks to all the judges who dedicated so much time over the year to seeing, considering and selecting tonight's winners. Congratulations to all the winners and the nominees. Thanks finally to our producer, Rachel Abbott, for this lightning on the night edit. We'll be back with our normal show next Sunday. See you then.